Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. I'm looking at a couple of verses in Matthew 13 this morning. Now, when you look at the context of this verse, it's actually the second of three parables in a row. And it's only found, they're only found in Matthew. And the first actually stressed the kingdom of God. And the third parable, the finality of the separation that will take place at the end of this age. And so I've jumped right into the middle of the three. And I'm looking at Matthew 13, 45 and 46. Again, says Jesus, that's his first word. So it's linked to the previous parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. Now, this was a time before the cultured pearls that we have today. So pearls were not plentiful in ancient times. And they were regarded as as, as precious, precious stones in antiquity, taken by divers from the Red Sea, the Persian Gulf and the Indian Ocean. And pearls were used for necklaces and other ornaments. And they could be extremely costly because they were so rare. And so the word pearl actually became a figure of speech for something of supreme worth or supreme value. The curious thing was that the pearl was not desired so much for its money, but simply to look at a pearl and handle a pearl was a source of great delight. And this merchant specialised in searching for and acquiring fine pearls. And in the story, he knows what he wants, and he is definitely on the lookout for the best in the way of pearls. When he found it, the man went off, sold everything for that wonderful pearl. Now, Jesus says, first of all, that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, the synonymous terms, is like this pearl. So I thought, what is the first question that jumped to my mind is, what is the kingdom of heaven? What is the kingdom of God? Generally speaking, the kingdom of heaven and Christianity is the realm over which God reigns as king or the fulfillment on earth of God's will. Hence, it is a present reign through the church, yet in the future, that reign will encompass the cosmos when Jesus returns. Now, the phrase the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is actually found frequently throughout the New Testament, primarily used by Jesus in the first three Gospels. It is considered generally to be the central theme of Jesus' teaching, the central topic of his teaching. Interestingly, it doesn't actually refer to a place called heaven where God's people will go to after they die. Rather, it actually refers to the rule of heaven being brought to bear in this present world. In Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, Jesus says the kingdom of God is not coming in ways you can observe. It was the Pharisees who were asking him, hey, when's the kingdom going to come? And Jesus said, it will come in ways that you, uh, in ways that you can, uh, not in ways that you can observe. 
Jesus said, nor will they say, see here or see there, there it is. For indeed the kingdom of God is, listen to his words, within you or among you. Now these words were a colossal shift in the thinking of the early disciples. And they are still, I think, as unsettling now as they were when they were first spoken. See, Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is unlike any worldly kingdom. Don't compare them. It operates on different values. It comes via compassion. It comes via kindness. It comes via justice. The way of Jesus Christ. Not the way kingdoms of this world come about through tanks and war and opposition and conflict. That's not the way the kingdom of God is in its very nature, nor will it arrive that way. Now the phrase the kingdom of God is within you or among you in Luke 17 has been difficult for Christians to translate. And that's why when you look at the new NIV version or the new King James or the living translation, they're all slightly different. Some finish with the words the kingdom of God is within you, others finish with the words the kingdom of God is, is among you. So they're slightly different. However, essentially, it means three things. It means, number one, the kingdom of God is essentially inward. Number two, the kingdom of God will come suddenly. You won't be, it'll be too quick for you to observe its, its progressive approach and arrival. And thirdly, the kingdom of God is among you. It is present in the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. Either way, you can take one of those three or put them all together in terms of how you understand that verse. But either way, the goal of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is coming here into this world. It's breaking into this world. The American Baptist theologian Walter Rush, that fellow. <laughs> do you know what? I should pause here. This has got nothing to do with the text. But I actually, for my grade eights, I thought, you know, we, we quite often just choose spelling risk, uh, lists from what you read and things like that. But I thought, I'm going to choose the most, the 200 most misspelt words in the English language and make that their, their term spelling list. And actually, one week there were five words, German words, that we use, like Duschhound for, you know, for the dog and things like that. And uh, I had one girl who got them all right on Friday, which I thought was fantastic. I mean, I don't think I could get all 45 of the words that I tested, and she did really well. But anyway, this guy's an American Baptist theologian. Have a listen to his words. He says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of getting individuals to heaven, but of transforming the life on earth into the harmony of heaven. Isn't that fascinating? I love that last phrase. But of transforming the life on earth into the harmony of heaven. We know this because Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring it all together. 
Os Guinness, the author and social critic, says Jesus made it clear that the kingdom of God is organic, not organisational. It grows like a seed and it works like leaven and bread, secretly, invisibly, surprisingly and irresistibly. Consequently, the kingdom of God or heaven is wherever Jesus is proclaimed and wherever people follow him and imitate his ways. It's everywhere that the spirit of Christ presently ministers and it's here now. It's within us and among us. And although it is with us now, we wait its consummation and fullness when Jesus returns. That's what the kingdom of God is. Very different to kingdom or kingdoms of this world. There's a story of a, a minister who decided on one Sunday morning that he was going to change the way he preached and he thought, I'm going to give a visual demonstration. He thought it might add emphasis to his Sunday morning service. So four worms were placed into four separate jars. The first worm was put into a container of alcohol. The second worm was put into a container of cigarette smoke. And the third worm was put into a container of chocolate syrup. And the fourth worm was put into a container of clean soil. And some of you have already think, oh, I know what passage he's preaching from. At the conclusion of the sermon, the minister reported the following results. He said, look, the first worm in alcohol is dead. The second worm in cigarette smoke is dead. The third worm in chocolate syrup is dead, but smiling. <laughs> the fourth worm in the good soil is alive and healthy. So the minister asked the congregation, what did you learn from this demonstration? And a woman sitting at the back quickly raised her hand and said, as long as you drink, smoke and eat chocolate, you won't have worms. Obviously, she missed the point, and her response pretty much ended the service. Do you know, I've read this parable many times in the past, many, many times, and I think when I was putting this together, I think I actually missed the point. This parable is not about the cost of discipleship, which is what I've always thought. It's not actually about sacrificing time or material things, nor about what you have to do in order to get into the kingdom. It's not about the things that the merchant sold or what he gave up acquiring the pearl. It's actually about the immeasurable beauty of the pearl. And I think what Jesus is saying in this parable is that the sacrifice the merchant makes doesn't compare to the value of the pearl. Because of its value and the joy of possessing it, it's worth selling all to secure it. Entering the kingdom of God through Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection, his death and resurrection, becoming a child of God, having his Holy Spirit dwell within us, is both exciting and infinitely valuable. In the parable, the merchant sold everything to obtain the pearl, but is selling of everything to obtain such a valuable treasure and experience the joy of acquiring it was more than worthwhile. The steep cost should be seen against the backdrop 
of the infinite gain. Likewise, the kingdom of God is far more valuable than anything else. It's far more satisfying than anything else this world can give you. The eternal joy and the immeasurable value of being part of the kingdom of God is incomparable. It's unrivaled. This parable also teaches us that everyone needs to act. Well, the opportunity is there to become part of the kingdom. The merchant was faced with a unique opportunity which required major action in case that opportunity be lost. And making this decision and taking the risk would change his life. In the parable, Jesus is telling us that this incredible kingdom is accessible to all. And because it is in this life, it is actually visible to all through the lives of Christians and the church. But sadly, we know that not all grab it. Not all take hold of that opportunity. Some don't, some refuse it. Because not all see its value and would rather hold on to things of this world that decay and pass away. The man who purchased the, the pearl, I don't think you've noticed, but he bought it from someone. Why could no one see its value other than the merchant? And I think the other, another thing this passage teaches us, or this parable, is that remember for Christians, both individually and community, we reveal the kingdom of God to the world around us. We reveal the kingdom of God to the world around us. That responsibility is not given to anyone else. And if we read the New Testament, it's not so much about individual witness, but Christians in community witnessing to others. Francis Assisi said, it's no use walking anywhere to preach unless your walking is our preaching. There's a magnificent story told by, in Mary Chaplin's book of whom the world was not worthy. The book told of the sufferings of the true church in Yugoslavia where so much wrong has been perpetrated by the politicalised uh, ecclesial hierarchy. That which has gone on in the name of Christ for the enriching and empowering corrupt church officials has been a terrible affront, she says, to decency. But she tells a wonderful story. She says, one day an evangelist by the name of Jokol uh, arrived in a certain village. He commiserated with an elderly man named Simmerman on the tragedies he had experienced and talked to him about the love of Christ. The elderly gentleman abruptly interrupted him and told him that, if he wished, that he wished to have nothing to do with Christianity. He reminded the evangelist of the dreadful history of the church in his town, a history replete, he said, with plundering, exploiting, and indeed with killing innocent people. He said, my own nephew was killed by them in front of me. Angrily, he rebuffed any effort on the evangelist's part to talk about Christ. They wear those elaborate coats and caps, and they carry the crosses, he said, signifying a heavenly commission. But their evil designs and lives I cannot ignore. 
the evangelist looking for an occasion to get Cinnamon to change his mind or change his line of thinking said, can I ask you a question? Suppose I was to steal your coat, put it on and break into a bank. Suppose further that the police sighted me running in the dis distance but could not catch up with me. On one clue, however, put them on your track. They recognised your coat. What would you say to them if they came to your house and accused you of breaking into the bank? He said, I would deny it. Ah, but we saw your coat, they would say, said the evangelist. This analogy quite upset this elderly gentleman who said, at this point, you can leave my house. Well, the evangelist continued to return to the village periodically just to befriend this fellow, this elderly gentleman, encourage him and share the love of Christ with him. Finally, one day, Simeon asked, how does one become a Christian? And the evangelist taught him the simple steps of repentance for sin and trust in the work of Jesus Christ and gently pointed him to the shepherd of his soul. The elderly gentleman bent his knee on the soil with his head bowed and surrendered his life to Christ. As he rose to his feet, wiping his tears away, he embraced the evangelist and said, thank you for being in my life. And then he pointed to the heavens and he whispered, you wear his coat, or coat very well. You wear his coat very well. Jesus taught us that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven began when he entered this world, when he changed history. The kingdom of God is in the person of Jesus Christ and it continues quietly to expand its influence throughout the church. Therefore, people should see the kingdom life when they look at us. May our community say to this church and this school, I'm glad you're part of my life. And I pray that they will look at our church and say, you wear his coat well. You wear his coat well. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to work in this church and this people and our lives individually because we want to wear your coat well. We want others to see the values of the kingdom that you represent, the kingdom, Lord Jesus, that you, Jesus, that you died for, to bring to this earth, to reconcile a rebellious creation, including us. May people thank us in this community for the ministry of this church. Amen.